Good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear it too. <laughs> All right. So I think most of you know me, but there might be some who don't and <clears throat> could be people online. My name is Garth Alexander. I'm one of the elders here at Renovation Church. And our two pastors just happened to both be out of town this week. And so I got the privilege. Really, it is a privilege to share the word of God. All right. Preparing to Reign with Christ, that's my title, and I want to read a passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then one more verse to add to that is 2 Timothy 2.12, where Paul says there, If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. We thank God for the reading of his word. And like I said, this is called preparing to reign with Jesus Christ. So... I have to dig into something else, which is the topic of suffering, okay? And, you know, why is life so painful? Why do we have troubles all the time? And, you know, the Christian can say, hey, I, I received Christ and I'm trying to follow him. Why do I still have problems? You know, that's not fair. I have to talk to someone about that, you know? Well, the... Pastors will be back next week, okay? <laughs> and so I think what really comes to us is, um, you know, is there even a purpose for our sufferings? Or is this meaningless, okay? Well, a couple things here. First of all, we need to remember that all people suffer. Both Christians and non-Christians suffer. Rich and poor, yes, even the rich suffer. They've got problems too. Everybody. Some seem to have it more than others. Think of Job. He had a lot more than I ever had. Uh, but nobody is immune. And suffering for the believer in Jesus has a purpose. And Paul said that that suffering produces something great in our lives. As a matter of fact, he called it uh, an eternal weight of glory. That's something we're going to talk about. So, though nobody in their right mind enjoys suffering, we need to realize that there are a great many things that are accomplished by it. And by the way, suffering is not the end game, all right? It's not just, oh, I overcame suffering, it's great. No, but what Paul is telling us in this passage is that suffering actually produces something. So, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, we learn compassion for others, agape love. That's that unconditional love that seeks nothing in return. We learn obedience. Psalm 119.67, the psalmist said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. The affliction brought about obedience. We learn endurance. 
Um, also, God uses our suffering to prepare us to reign with his son, Jesus. As I gave that verse, 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. So the Apostle Paul experienced severe suffering and persecution. Uh, the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians is just a tremendous book. If you've never read it, you should start reading it. Uh, but there's another chapter there, 11, it recounts some of the ways that Paul suffered. And his suffering wasn't just, he's not talking about like, you know, I stubbed my toe. He's talking about suffering as a result of sharing Christ and going around talking to people who had never heard of Christ. But here's just a couple things, and this isn't even the whole list. Paul says, I was beaten. I was thrown in prison. Stoned by a mob in Ephesus where he nearly died, and some people think he actually did die and was raised. He said, I was shipwrecked three times, and I think one time would have been enough for me. You know, the water's cold, there's carnivorous fish out there. Wow, three times this man was shipwrecked for Jesus Christ's sake. That's amazing. And what's even more amazing is from our text, Paul calls these troubles that he had momentary light affliction. Wow. I don't think I'd be calling it that. Because the list that Paul shared in 2 Corinthians 11 there, it's no light affliction. But he calls it that. And it, he calls it that because in comparison to what it produces... There's no match. It produces an eternal weight of glory. And we'll talk about that for a second, in a second. In uh, Romans 8.18, 8, here's another thing that Paul wrote. He said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. There it is again, that word Glory. I think John was even talking about that a bit there, the glory. And Paul said, the weight of glory. So what is glory? We probably have a lot of ideas what it actually means, and it means different things depending on what culture you're in or whatever. But in the scripture, you look up that word, the Greek word glory, and it kind of means opinion. And it's a good opinion in the New Testament right? The, the glory. Um, you say Michael Jordan was a great basketball player. That's the glory of basketball or whatever. So <laughs> that's not where we're going with this, by the way. Um, it also means honor. It also means majesty or brightness, you know, like the glow. You know, you picture a glow coming off Christ in certain uh, areas in the gospel there. But it's interesting, Paul said that it's also a weight of glory. So glory is, is sometimes described as having a weight. And Paul called it the eternal weight of glory. So what he's talking about, this glory is more than just an opinion or some glowing, you know, LED display. <laughs> In God's economy, glory has weight. Glory has substance. Glory has mass. 
You can measure it in that way. It has weight. When I think of glory, which is where God is leading us, I always think of the transfiguration. And this is a great picture because, uh, well, it says here, Jesus, he took with him Peter, James, his brother John, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them. And he, his face shone like the sun. There's that majesty and the glory and the brightness, right? And his garments became white as light. That was what's on the inside was coming out, transfiguration. He was changed. And then Moses and Elijah appeared, and then Peter began speaking. And some people, you know, when they, they get nervous, they clamor up. And some people like Peter just start talking. So <laughs> I think I'm not so much like Peter. But he was nervous you know, or he wouldn't have started talking. And so then, verse 5, while he was still speaking, Peter, <laughs> a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son, and with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Then it says, when the disciples heard this, they fell down, uh, face down to the ground, and were terrified. Isn't that something? The glory that was emitting from Jesus was so awesome. It was more than they could handle, and it knocked them to the ground. Wow. Has that ever happened to you or I? <laughs> Some things similar have happened to us. But this, they were right there by the Lord, and they got knocked to the ground. So this often happens when humans encounter the presence of God. Uh, angels have come down, and like in the book of Joshua, and you see Joshua stand before the captain of the Lord's host. He found out who he was, and the presence of God fell on his face. And Daniel, Daniel uh, met an angel that came to him, and it says of Daniel, there was no strength left in me. For my natural color turned to deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. That's all from that glory which is weighted. It's got mass. It's got power. Such a weight of glory as they represent the Almighty. I'm speaking of the angels. So, in light of suffering, there is glory. And this is the kind of glory that we're talking about. It's weighted. It's mass, it's power, okay? If we continue with him. We have three points. First of all, receive his comfort. Secondly, share his comfort. And thirdly, reign with Jesus Christ. So, there it is. All right. Um, the current situation... I've noticed in the church and with my friends and in my own life, uh, many people are going through troubles and suffering right now. There's a lot of it. And maybe I'm just a little more sensitive at this time because our family, we've gone through some loss recently. And I know many of you have too. Uh, but the truth is, suffering and sorrow, it's a lot of all humans, everybody. Everybody. 
So first of all, we want to receive his comfort. There's another text where Paul begins to speak about this subject in 2 Corinthians um, 1, excuse me, 2, 1, 8, oh yeah. We do not want you to be aware, unaware of our own trouble in Asia, and they despaired of life. Yeah, that's 2 Corinthians 1. So Paul is relating to Corinth the trouble that he had. And then he goes on to say, they learn to trust in the God who raises the dead. So Paul introduces God as the God of all comfort. And here it is, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. So Paul learns that God is the God of comfort. Amen. Watchman Nee said this, We never learn anything new about God except through adversity. Yeah. You know, we can know facts about God. We can have a head knowledge about God. But it's when we start to go through issues in our lives and problems that we begin to really know God. We begin to find out that he is the God of all comfort. Ask a mom about this, right? The pregnant, the pregnancy, they go nine months lugging around, right? This extra weight in this child and this child's kicking and the mom's getting sick sometimes. That mom knows that child better than anybody. Isn't that right? So we would never fully know the God of all comfort unless we have suffered. And we all have. So how do we connect with the God of all comfort? Okay. Well, first we look to Jesus. Because Jesus went to the cross willingly, Jesus suffered to save us from our sins. Okay, so we can begin a relationship with him. And then... The only true God who created all things suffered. That's Jesus. God understands what you are going through. He has suffered. You've suffered. Jesus has suffered as much or more. I believe more. He has gone before us, just like the ark went into the Jordan before the Israelites did. Opened up the river for the people to cross on dry ground. So whatever you are suffering, first look to Jesus in trust. He'll make a way for you. He has been through it. And I might say this as well. If you have never received Jesus to be your Savior, you can do so right now or after the service, talk to somebody, and you can receive him into your life and be born again. That's the first thing you need to do. (laughs) In John 14, Jesus promised another comforter. In verse John 14:16, Jesus said, "I will ask the Father, He will give you another helper, which that word for helper is comforter, that he may be with you forever. The helper, the comforter, is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. 
So I like that Jesus said, I'm going to give you another helper, another comforter. Because up to this time, Jesus was their comforter. But now he's going to go to the cross and then ascend into heaven, and they're going to be alone. Except he sends another comforter, who is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a comforter, right? Um you got to know about the Holy Spirit. And it's confusing when you first receive Christ. You don't really understand all these things. Uh, the Holy Spirit, it sounds like this is a, uh, you know, the, the force. Like, <laughs> right? It sounds like Star Wars, the force, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But we don't always realize that God is made of three what? Persons. Yeah, Amen. And so the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit, you know, he dwells with us. He can be grieved. You know, you've read that in the scripture. He can be grieved. He can be rejoicing. But he's a person and we can talk to him. All right. And the scripture tells us very clearly if we're in Christ, we have received the Holy Spirit. So today... You may be thinking, I'm really hurting. How can I receive his comfort? Well, I put it like this. We need to have a private conversation with the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, just uh, admit it here, this week I had to do this, what I'm about to tell you. Um, The job, you know, the stress, the responsibilities, it begins to get overwhelming. And next thing you know, you're, oh, man, oh, yeah, you know. Your blood pressure is going up, your lungs are filling up, and your heart is beating really hard. So we need to approach the Holy Spirit, who is what? A person. So I put it like this. Quiet your heart down. This is how you can be comforted. Quiet your heart down. Find a quiet place and quiet yourself. Take a deep breath and relax if you have to, whatever floats your boat in that area, okay? (laughs) And then speak to Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, you know how I am feeling right now. You are the comforter. I need your divine help. It's that simple. And then I recommend you just sit still and you be silent for as long as it takes for you to feel better. Okay, we, we tend to want to just rush off. Oh, we'll see how it plays out. No, just wait in his presence sometimes. You know, just let him minister to your soul. And then when you do feel better, know that God himself just met you where you needed him most. God is the God of all comfort, and he will come and comfort you. Sometimes we have to just give God time. We're always rushing around. We can do that as often as we need to. You don't even need insurance for this comfort. Yeah. By the way, Satan's most successful strategy is to keep us so busy that we do not take time to pray. Satan would like anything, nothing more than that you and I would have no time to pray. So do that, pray.
Then, when we receive God's comfort, we can share it. So that's my second point, share the comfort. So in that passage in 2 Corinthians 1, it says, uh, the God of all comfort, he comforts us in all our affliction. So we receive the comfort so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which ourselves are comforted by God. We receive God's comfort and then we can send that comfort out to somebody who's really hurting. And it makes a big difference in people's lives. Um, this is kind of along the lines of what you would call agape love. Unconditional love. You just go out and help your, your fellow man. All right, now I'm going to pick on uh, Mike Hall. Hi, Mike, in the back of the room. <laughs> Mike, Mike is a great guy. He's a retired Air Force veteran. And he's a great guy. And uh, I just want to recount what I experienced at the last Wise Guys Men's Breakfast. This is really neat. Uh, Mike was speaking to a younger man across the table. And it was just really cool. It's, it's kind of hard to describe because you, you kind of had to be there. So, but let me tell you about Mike. Mike had throat cancer. And he's still recovering he can't taste. Uh, for several months, he lived off of chicken broth and insure protein shakes. Doesn't that sound great? <laughs> see, I see that kind of thing, and I go, I'm suffering? I don't think so. He lost a lot of weight, and his throat hurt all the time, all the time. It never stopped for months. Most of us have had a sore throat, sometimes very painful, but it usually goes away in a day or two or three, right? Not for, uh, not for Mike. So he got through it. He's done with his treatment. He did great. He's in good spirits. And uh, so he was talking to this younger man. And it, he seemed to me that he has changed in a good way. Not that it was bad, but he's just grown in Christ through his experience. Uh, he looked over at this younger man, and I, I can't even do this justice, but he, he says, let me tell you what God told me. He said, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And he kept repeating that. But something about the calmness, the confidence, the faith that I heard in his voice, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is awesome, you know? I, I experienced God, Mike, by you telling that young man that kind of a thing. So it's wonderful. So Mike suffered, and something really came out of that. Very wonderful. But that's not the whole story. Because before Mike got the cancer, Ed Ortega over, here's Ed, sorry Ed and Mary, Ed Ortega went through the same trial, the same thing, throat cancer, go through radiation, and uh, I'll tell you, Ed suffered greatly, and uh, his cancer was even worse, from what I understand, so he had higher treatments of uh, radiation. 
So Ed really suffered. For the longest time, he couldn't even talk, you know. Um, and so they found comfort somehow. And I think it was Ed had Mary. Mary was the comforter there. Uh, but they were there all along when Mike was going through it. All along. And Mike really, really appreciated it. He looks up to them so much, and I know that because what Mike said about Ed and Mary is that they are angels. That's the exact quote. So you guys learned a great lesson through this whole thing, and um, hope you just get better and better. But you can see how that works. Um, The comfort. You receive the comfort. You share the comfort. And that person can then as well be comforted. I had, my story, um, I got help from others. This is 26 years ago. Um, my sister got sick with cancer, lung cancer. She died at age 33, leaving three children behind. And I can tell you it was unbearable to watch. It would just ate us up, the whole family. We were dying inside. Uh, you know, and then I'll never forget, there was a lady in our church at the time, Vicki Rodriguez, and um, <laughs> she called me a couple times. And you see, the thing was, is Vicki's brother had died, I think about a year earlier, a young man. And so she'd been through it. She had been finding God's comfort through this sorrow. You know, and she told me, I'll never forget this. She said, it hurts, but I know that you will get through this. You know, that was just what I remember. She said other things, but that is what I remember. You know, and sometimes that's what we need. We need to have somebody tell us, you're going to get through this. You know, like like the brothers tell you, you're going to preach on Sunday and your wife says, your wife says, you're going to get through this. Don't worry. <laughs> but you know, 26 years later, I can still remember that call. I remember her telling me, you can get through this. And now, you know, I don't want to drag this too long, but you know, we go to like wakes or something like that. I used to be terrified of wakes because I didn't know what to say to anybody. I felt like a heel in the place, you know. But now I know, you know, I can share, hey, it's hard. You're going to get through this, you know. And so that's, it's, I think that's great, personally. (laughs) All right, so then the last point I have, and we're almost done, is to reign with Christ. And do I have it on there? Yeah, and in parentheses, nearness and glory. That way we can be sure about what that means to reign with Christ. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Revelation 3.21, this one's awesome too. He who overcomes, I will grant to sit down with me. See, it's, it's highlighted. With me, on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So, see that, That little phrase there, with me, that's our whole motivation to reign with Christ. You know, because somebody could think, hey, what's this talk about reigning with Christ? Are you just like, 
to some power trip to take over the world or something like that? No, not at all. And by the way, Satan tried that and it didn't work. So um, it's our whole motivation. We want to be with Jesus Christ in his reign. Paul said, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what Paul's whole life, all the things that Paul endured was that he might know Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Paul Bilheimer wrote the classic book in 1977, Don't Waste Your Sorrows. He said, the supreme purpose of life on earth is not pleasure, fame, wealth, or any other form of worldly success, but learning agape love, that unconditional love that reaches out to other people with no strings attached. Bill Hymer also said, character is a legal tender of heaven. Character. So agape love and character is a legal tender of heaven. In other words, it's the legal tender, the money. It's what counts in heaven is character. And this is the eternal weight of glory that we're talking about. God is working in you and I at this very moment. He's bringing us to this place. He wants us to come, be with his son, be close to his son. And by the way, we're not talking about just salvation. We're actually talking about reward and joy in the future. So, uh, boy, what a wonderful thought is that one day we can be with Christ. And if you have received Christ, you're going to heaven. But if you suffer with him, you reign with him, or suffer and you serve him, and you follow him with all your heart, you're going to be near with him and reign with him. What a glorious thing. So what? Or so what? There it is. This is Alex's so what. Here's what. Remember, if you're a child of God, then sorrow, suffering, tribulation, and pain are not meaningless. And I know that's a double negative, so we'll say sorrow and pain are full of meaning. That's a positive. Uh, receive his comfort, because he is the God of all comfort. And then share it with others. And it's amazing what God will do as you do that. Keep the right perspective that our trials and suffering are working in us for good. Praise the Lord. And now I have one thing I just want to share, and then I'm done. There's an anonymous poem. Will that come up on the screen? I'm going to read this. Um, this, this is an anonymous poem. It begins dark and lonely, and by the end of it, it, it has a glimmer of hope. But tell me if you've uh, felt this before. It goes like this. Lend me your hope for a while. I seem to have mislaid mine. Lost and hopeless feelings accompany me daily. Pain and confusion are my companions. I know not where to turn. Looking ahead to future time does not bring forth images of renewed hope. I see troubled times, pain-filled days, and more tragedy. Lend me your hope for a while. I seem to have mislaid mine. Hold my hand and hug me. Listen to all my ramblings. 
like now. Recovery seems so far distant. The road to healing seems like a long and lonely one. Lend me your hope for a while. I seem to have mislaid mine. Stand by me. Offer me your presence, your heart, and your love. Acknowledge my pain. It is so real and ever-present. I am overwhelmed with sad and conflicting thoughts. Lend me your hope for a while. A time will come when I will heal, and I will share my renewal, hope, and love with others. So it's, it's a dark road at times, but God in his grace will lift us out, and we can be used to help each other, minister to each other. Praise the Lord.